Good morning. It's great to see every one of you here. And isn't it great just to lift our voices together in praise of our God and praise of our Saviour? It's wonderful to, to do that, isn't it? There's been no greater, no greater theme for us to sing about than to sing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to turn to Mark chapter 13. We're reading from verses 24 through to the end of the chapter, verse 37 today. We're going to look at the return, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read from Mark chapter 13 and verse uh, 24. And the Lord Jesus is speaking, and you'll, you'll maybe remember the context from last week. He's speaking uh, to Peter, James, and John, and Andrew privately, who have asked them some questions about what is going to happen in the future, what is going to happen at end, uh, in the end times. And uh, he's saying, but in those days, verse 24, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven. And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree you learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. And we look to the Lord to add his blessing to uh, what we've read from his word. I wonder if you've ever heard someone say to you, or thought yourself, maybe even said yourself, what's the world coming to? What's the world coming to? One of these phrases you used to hear quite a lot, maybe you still do. Yeah, I remember as a as a child, and I remember a few times being in town with my with my granddad, and, and my granddad knew everybody, and he would stop and he would chat to everybody, and inevitably they'd go on to the the subject of how terrible things were and how everything was going downhill, and uh, and they'd have a good sort of you know good good, good sort of. So say rant, but they're, they're a good sort of go at uh, you know how things you know how things are are, are going downhill, and uh, one of them would maybe say, "What's the world coming to? What's the world coming to?" Maybe you've even thought that yourself. If you have, you're actually in good company, and we're in this passage and we're breaking in to 
I feel a lengthy answer that the Lord Jesus gave to some of his disciples, Peter, James, John and Andrew, and they're sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, and uh, they're asking the Lord Jesus what's going to happen in the future. Now, let's just zoom out for a minute and just remember, what's the big, what, what have we learned so far in, in Mark's gospel? We've learned lots of things about who the Lord Jesus is. We've learned that he's the son of God. We've learned that he's got authority over demons. He's got authority over disease. He's got authority over death. He's got authority over nature. And we've learned, because God has spoken from heaven and said it, that he is the Christ, the beloved son of God. And the the disciples have started to appreciate just who he is, that he is the Christ. And the Lord Jesus has revealed to the disciples that he's going to suffer many things. And he's going to be killed. And after three days, he's going to rise again. And now we are very, very close in the narrative to the point at which he is going to die. We're in that final week between the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the crucifixion. And it's only a very short number of days before he is going to go to that cross where he is going to suffer many things, to use his own words, and be killed. And we're told, of course, in Scripture, the purpose of that. He's going to die for us. Just that same week, as as the events in which we are reading just now, as the conversation that we're reading about just now, he's going to be taken and nailed to that cross. And men are going to do the worst they can think of to him. They're, They're going to They're going to vent their hatred against him. But actually, of course, we've seen as we've looked at the big picture how the cross was the very reason he came to this earth. To go to that cross. To die for us. To satisfy the righteous demands of the holy God of heaven. Who demands that sin carries a penalty. A price must be paid. And we could never have paid for our sin. But what we deserved was eternal judgment. But the Lord Jesus goes to that cross. God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's all going to happen just you know, a couple of days after the conversation taking place that we've read of today. And what else has happened in that, that week of which we're, we're reading at the moment? It's, it's really pronounced judgment on the false, empty religion that was all around. So he's gone into the temple and he's driven out the money changers. And he's spoken against the religious authorities who were becoming increasingly overt and obvious in the rejection of the Lord Jesus. And he's warned against the scribes who loved walking around in their long robes and loved the greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the, in the synagogues and making long prayers just for show, just for pretense. And he's spoken against them. Of course, the religious opposition to the Lord Jesus is increasing. They're seeking to arrest him. But they don't want there to be too much trouble. They don't want there to be an outcry. And, and they think, well, 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 let's try and catch him out in what he says. And that's all been happening. Against that backdrop, they've, walked, they've come away from the temple after he's been teaching there. One of the disciples points out the wonderful buildings and says, look at these amazing buildings. Look at these amazing stones. And they were quite a spectacle. And the Lord Jesus turns to future events. He says, do you know what? The day's coming. There's not going to be one stone left upon another that's not going to be thrown down. And so they're sitting on the Mount of Olives and these four disciples, Peter, James, John, Andrew, ask him privately, tell us more about what's going to happen in the future. 
Tell us, tell us all about it. And the Lord Jesus tells them. And, and last week, we looked at the passage where he told them what would happen in the time of tribulation, great tribulation, great suffering, such as the world has never seen before. And now he takes them on to what's going to happen at the end and after that time of great tribulation. I'm just going to show you a diagram briefly, just to orientate yourselves. And uh, you may have seen this diagram before if you were here on a Sunday night when we went through the Revelation series. And uh, it just kind of gives you a, 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 a sort of uh, orientation map of how all the end time events that are described in the Bible, how we believe these these fit together. Now, it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Because the Bible, it's not like it's not like the way you might expect a, a textbook to be set out. For example, where you go to one chapter and it tells you here is everything that's going to happen in the future in end times. You have different bits of the story revealed in different passages at different points to different people. And you actually need to do a bit of study and to piece it all together and to say, well, how does this all fit together? And, uh, you know, the Lord reveals truth a, a, a bit at a time and, you know, let's that be assimilated. And then a bit more is, is revealed. And, uh, and we really have to work at studying the scripture to get, uh, you know, to, to, to get the whole uh, story, but what you know, what a benefit it is when we do study the scripture. So it is worth doing this. Now, at the moment, we are in what's described here as the church age. We look forward to what's described as the rapture, and that's described in, for example, First Thessalonians four and thirteen to eighteen. The Lord Jesus Christ will return to the to the air. He will take those who uh, believe in him, and he will take them to be with himself and uh, it, it talks there about how that the lord himself will descend from heaven this is first thessalonians 4 with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel with the sound of the trumpet of god the dead in christ will rise first then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air so we will always be with the lord therefore encourage one another with these words and and what we look for is the return of the lord to take us to, to the air to take us to be uh, with himself and we, we sometimes talk about that as the rapture then what you what we read about last week happens this time of tribulation this time of great suffering and uh, that was all uh, dealt with last week a time of suffering such as has not been from the beginning of uh, the creation we read in the, in the passage that, that was dealt with last week a time of great great distress and suffering on the earth and now we come to the end of that, and, and uh, what, what happens next? What happens next? And the answer is that the Lord Jesus returns in what we often call the second coming. He returns to earth. He returns to judge those who reject him, and he returns to reign. And he reigns for a thousand years. And then, fast forward a bit, ultimately he will reign forever he will reign eternally so where are we today sitting here in 2023 we're somewhere in this church age and we look forward to when the lord will return and that could be any time nothing more that's left to happen before the lord jesus returns to take us to be with himself to take every believer in the lord jesus to be with himself and what we're reading about in today's passage 
is the events surrounding the end of this time of great tribulation and the second coming of the Lord Jesus, the return of the Lord Jesus to earth. So we're going, to, we're going to look at this in three sections. Maybe your Bible has it split down into three paragraphs. If it does, then that's the way we're going to look at it. We're going to look from verses 24 to 27 at the fact that the Lord Jesus will return. Verses 28 to 31, we're going to look at this illustration of the fig tree. And we're going to take the lesson, read the signs. And then from verses 32 to 37, we're going to take the illustration of a man on a journey and take the lesson, stay awake. So if you want... A sort of one-sentence summary that you to take home from this, the, this whole message. The Lord Jesus will return, read the signs, and stay awake. So do please stay awake, because we're going to try and uh, delve into this just now and uh, see just what this meant, first of all, obviously, in application to the disciples who were listening to this and in the context of the passage in which it was written, and what lessons can we take away from it? So let's look, first of all, at the return of the Lord Jesus, the coming of the Son of Man, verses 24 to 27. We're actually breaking in to a time of great distress, really, aren't we? Verse 24. In those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. It's worth imagining for a minute just what a hugely distressing time on earth this will be. Imagine the sun darkened. No sunlight. Darkness all the time. All over the earth. Imagine the moon not giving its light. I don't know if you saw the uh, blue supermoon this week. It was really quite a remarkable sight and there were many people the thing you've got to love about the moon is the moon completely evades all attempts to photograph it uh, basically it's impossible with an iphone or anything else to take a decent photo of the moon and um, but some people with decent cameras did manage to get good photos and it was impressive imagine the moon not giving its light you see it's not just if, if the moon is darkened the moon does a lot of other things besides give us light at night as you may be aware, I'm sure you will be, it controls the tides. And uh, you know, maybe that's why when, when Luke talks in, in, in his account of this same, this same event, he describes distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. And so the seas are out of control. And people are fainting with fear and foreboding about what's coming, what's coming on the world. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And the stars falling from heaven. I mean, this is utter global catastrophe, which will strike terror into the heart of of those who witness it. You know, can you imagine all the great powers of the earth at the time trying to work out what to do? put together task forces and working groups and uh, you know come together what, what, what can we do and this whole thing's completely out with their control and there's great darkness and all the other consequences the the roaring of the sea and the waves and uh, the powers of the heavens shaken and stars falling from heaven and it's pitch black 
And that's no doubt terrifying. And then suddenly, suddenly into that great darkness, into that great terror, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, verse 26, comes in clouds with great power and glory. And suddenly into that scene of absolute terror, the Lord Jesus appears with great power and glory. He appears with his mighty angels in flaming fire, we read in Second Thessalonians. Every eye will see him, we read in Revelation. And into that scene, he comes. John, in, in the book of Revelation, describes it like this. This is Revelation 19. He says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And against this background, when at the time in which the Lord Jesus is speaking to these four disciples, against a background where rejection of the Lord Jesus, opposition to the Lord Jesus is growing, and the religious authorities are, 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 are the ringleaders of it. And they're, they're saying, well, we want our religion. We want our, our trappings. We want our show. We want the accolades. We don't want this man, Jesus. And as that opposition is growing, he takes these disciples and lifts their eyes to something yet future. When the Lord Jesus will return and he will deal in judgment with those who reject him. He'll deal in judgment. The, the Antichrist... Revelation 19 tells us, will be cast into the lake of fire. Satan, Revelation 20 tells us, will be bound for a thousand years. And the Lord Jesus will reign for a thousand years. And so the Lord Jesus vanquishes his enemies, exerts judgment. And he sends out the angels, and Matthew adds, he sends them out with a loud trumpet call, and they gather his elect, his people, those who during that time of tribulation have trusted in the Lord Jesus and gathers them together from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The church, of course, has already been raptured, but the believers who have come to faith during the tribulation and survived Many will be martyred, of course, and they're now joined together with all believers and they'll reign, Revelation 20 tells us, with the Lord Jesus for a thousand years. So he's coming back and he's going to reign. He's going to reign for a thousand years and ultimately he's going to reign forever. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that encouraging? You know, I heard recently, when we were away in the summer, and as, as many of you know, we spent a week down at the, the Keswick Convention, and one night, it was a Sunday night, um, some, uh, a representative from the Open Doors organi organization was there. They, they support Christians in countries where they're persecuted. And they provide a lot of information to 
Christians to allow them to pray for folks. And the number one place on their watch list, the number one place where persecution against Christians is worst, is North Korea. Well, that night, the person from Open Doors brought three young men along. And uh, these three men had all escaped the North Korean regime. One of them had had to swim for six hours to escape that regime. One of them had come to faith in the Lord Jesus while he was serving in the North Korean army. Isn't it amazing that the word of God can get everywhere and it's not bound? And there they were. And it was really quite emotional, I think, for everyone in the tent that night, hearing, hearing these stories of these folks who had had to suffer and pay a tremendous price to, in, in, in following the Lord Jesus and escaping that, that regime. After they, had, uh, after they had shared just a little bit of their story, Colin Webster came up and introduced the next song. It was a, a song called Ancient of Days by uh, City of Light. It's one that, one that I heard for the first time that night and uh, might try and introduce it here sometime. But it looks forward to the Lord Jesus reigning. And this, as Colin Webster introduced that song, he said this, he said, when Christ's kingdom will come, all other kingdoms will go. All other kingdoms will go. You know, across this world, there are many kingdoms at the moment. There are some kingdoms that are probably benign and well-meaning, yet flawed. There are some kingdoms that are corrupt. There are some kingdoms that are just outright cruel and malevolent. And we look forward and we say, when Christ's kingdom will come, all other kingdoms will go. And Christ will reign, ultimately. Fast forward and past the events of, of, of the past of today, forever and ever. And so the Lord Jesus brings his disciples face to face with the fact that that is what's going to happen in the future. Yes, at that time, the opposition was growing, growing rapidly. In just a couple of days, they'd be sentencing him to death. But that's not the end of the story. He will return. He'll judge his enemies. He will reign. So, for believers living at that time during the Great Tribulation, and it's interesting how the Lord speaks to the, these four disciples, almost as if they are the ones who are going to be living through the Great Tribulation. Um, but, of course, it's believers yet in the future now who will live through the, the ones who will, who will come to faith during that Great Tribulation. How will they know that the Lord Jesus is coming back? How will they know that he is going to return? Well, the Lord Jesus gives them the lesson of the fig tree, verses 28 to 31. And if you want a header for this, read the signs. Read the signs. So he talks about how the fig tree's branches become tender, puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, I don't have a fig tree in my garden. I don't imagine many of us do in this part of the world. I don't think they would last terribly long in this part of the world. But... Uh, Luke helpfully points out that actually the Lord Jesus also said, or any other tree. So you can take this application and don't worry if you don't have a fig tree. You can apply it to your friendly local apple tree, pear tree, whatever you got in your garden. Uh, I've got a couple of trees that 
yeah, they're quite nice. I don't know what they do. They produce flowers in the spring and uh, they blossom and then they, you know, we hang Christmas lights on them at Christmas time. And yeah, but uh, I love it when I start to see in spring those little buds coming. I don't know what your favourite time of year is. Spring is my favourite time of year. I really don't like winter, okay? Confession time, I don't like winter. It's dark and I don't like it, okay? Um, and I look for, I love spring because in spring... There's that sort of optimism. Days are getting longer. There's, there's new life. There's growth. And you see the buds starting to appear on the tree. And you think, oh yeah, just you know, a few weeks and the trees will have blossomed. And you can see the signs that summer is coming. And so the Lord Jesus is telling his disciples and really putting that lesson out there for those believers who will be experiencing those things in times yet future. He says, you know what? You see all these things happening all those events of the tribulation, you can know that he's going to come back. And he's going to come back very soon. He's going to return. In fact, he says, this generation, verse 30, will not pass away until all these things take place. Now, I don't know about you, but the first few times I read that verse, I thought, what? But that was a long time back. And uh, that generation did pass away and these things haven't happened yet. What, what's happening here? But of course, remember that he's speaking to the disciples as if they're the ones that are, that are uh, going to be the ones alive at that time in, in, in tribulation. But actually he's saying basically when this tribulation, the generation that goes through the tribulation, well, the tribulation is going to last seven years. It's going to be a terrible time, but it's going to be a, a time-limited time. And that generation won't pass away until the Lord returns. He'll return. And he'll return to reign. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, verse 31, but my words will not pass away. You see, the world is temporary, but the, the word of God is permanent. You know, the, Second Peter tells us that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done it will be exposed. Revelation 20 tells us that uh, when, when a great white throne is set up, I saw a great white throne, him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And then Revelation 21, we're told there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And that'll be the eternal home of all who belong to the Lord Jesus. So, you know, heaven and earth will pass away, the Lord says. But my words, he says, will not pass away. The word of God. And, and this is one of these reminders, isn't it? That the Lord Jesus is truly God. Because he's saying, my words will not pass away. And God's authoritative inerrant, unalterable word will never pass away. It will never pass away. And so he's saying to the, the people, read the signs. Now, for us, of course, as I pointed out earlier, we await the return of the Lord Jesus to the air to take us to be with himself. We await the rapture. There is nothing else yet to happen before the rapture happens. So we know that that could be at any time. That's the message for us out of that. We've got to be ready. So the Lord Jesus is going to return. What should his followers do meantime? And we move on to the last section, verses 32 to 37. We read about a man on a journey. And the lesson is stay awake. Stay awake. And the Lord Jesus says, you know what? No one knows when the return of the Lord Jesus is going to be. No one, no one knows the, the, the day, the hour, the time, not even the angels in heaven. And the Lord Jesus says at that point, 
not even himself. So just a little aside, don't bother trying to set dates for the return of the Lord. You know, thinking of the rapture, it's amazing how many people have got into a mess by trying to do what they're told not to do and trying to guess a date for the rapture. And, uh, you know, there are people who have tried to predict and they, they said, oh, it's going to be September the 6th, 1994. And it wasn't. And it then said, oh, well, no, no, I, meant, I meant the 29th of September, 1994. And it wasn't. Oh, no, I meant the 2nd of October, 1994. No, it wasn't. Oh, and then it went quiet for me. And then, uh, what about the 21st of May, 2011? And it didn't happen. 21st of October, 2011. And the bottom line is, people who try and predict the, the, the date of the rapture or of the, or of the Lord's return to reign, obviously, they're kidding themselves. They're pretty much doing themselves to failure. The Lord Jesus says in, in, in relation to his return to earth, nobody knows the day or the hour except the Father only. So, so what, what does that mean you do? Well, if you don't know when it's going to be, he's saying to them, you've got to be ready. You've got to be on guard. You've got to, do you see the phrase that he kept re- repeating and repeating in that, this section? Be on guard, keep awake, stay awake, stay awake. He says it's like a man going on a long journey. Leaves his servants in charge back home, gives them all jobs to do. They're all given different work. Doorkeeper is specifically commanded, stay awake. And uh, so he says to his disciples and by application to those believers who will be awaiting the Lord's return to earth, he says, you know, it could be at any time. It could be in the evening, it could be at midnight, it could be when the rooster crows, it could be in the morning. You know, the, the, the Roman sort of 12-hour watch lasted from 6 p.m., to 6 a.m. Uh, so it, the, it was split into four watches, four three-hour periods, and they were defined by the time points that the Lord refers to. So the evening time period ended at 9 p.m. The midnight time period, guess what, ended at midnight. The, the, three, the rooster crowing, 3 a.m. The morning time period ending at 6 a.m. And he's saying, you know what, that whole watch period, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., it could be at any point. And he's still addressing the disciples as if they're the actual ones who are actually going to be there when these things happen. And the message to those who will be there is stay awake. Stay vigilant. He's speaking about being spiritually vigilant. Don't be found being spiritually lethargic. Don't be found being distracted by other things. And Luke goes into a bit more detail and says the Lord Jesus is warning against what's called dissipation which apparently is the giddiness and headache resulting from excessive alcohol a sort of drunken nausea or full-on drunkenness and of course what a dreadful thing you know, we, we can apply these things although it's not speaking specifically about the rapture we can apply these things to the time in which we live what a dreadful thing it would be wouldn't it if the lord were to return and we were to be found not alert we were to be found under the influence of alcohol but get this as well he warns them against being taken up with the cares of this life as well. It's quite possible to be just taken up with the, the legitimate business of this, of this world, but for that to become the priority. And for us to be, you know, it's right that we work hard at our jobs, that we're diligent. But the moment that becomes our driving force and our priority, we got it wrong. And, and, and it's right that, to, that, 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 that we work an honest day's work. But, you know, one, it's very easy for us to become taken up with the cares of this world. And the Lord says, no, be spiritually vigilant, be on the lookout for the Lord's return. And we can take that and apply it to ourselves as well, can't we, in our point in time as we await the rapture, the Lord's return to the air to take us to be 
with himself. Because actually the Lord said, what I say, verse 37, to you, I say to all, stay awake. So we can take that and we can take it and apply it to us. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be spiritually vigilant. We've got to be spiritually alert. We don't want to become distracted. We don't want to become lethargic. You know, the story's told, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but the story's told of a couple who had a grandfather clock. I don't know if you've ever, you, you've seen a grandfather clock. My, my grandfather actually had a grandfather clock, um, which is very appropriate. Um, my aunt's got it now. And, uh, you know, every hour it would bong, and it would be sort of bing or bong or whatever, it would, you know, uh, you know, sort of thing. And, and one day this couple apparently were sitting in their grandfather clock, sort of chiming away, bong, 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 and they're counting it, four, five, six, and it keeps going, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. And they're like, is that right, thirteen? And they looked at each other and said, what, what time is it? And, and, and one says to the other, well, I really don't know, but I'll tell you one thing, it's later than it's ever been before. Well, you know, we can actually take that, can't we? And we can say, quite seriously, we can say it's later than it's ever been before. You know, we don't know when the Lord is going to return. But we know that it's nearer than it's ever been before. And we know we've got to be ready. So what do we take from this passage? The Lord will return, read the signs, stay awake. Opposition to the Lord Jesus has been growing as the Lord Jesus shares this insight into future events. And the Lord Jesus takes the disciples forward and he shows that soon those impressive buildings would all be gone and they were actually very soon and then he takes them further forward and he says well here's what's going to happen and what's the big lesson out of all this what happens and what your part is in future events depends on what you've done about the lord jesus what you've done with the lord jesus that's what makes all the difference you see if you're a follower of the lord jesus you can look forward to his return, to take you to be with himself, to the rapture. If you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus, the Bible's very clear. I take no glee in, I, I, I don't stand here saying, oh, let's try and give people a scare. But I do, I do stand here saying, I've got to be honest, and I've got to tell you the truth. And the Bible does make it very clear that for every person who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus, who is not trusting in him as their saviour, it's judgment that awaits. And what makes the difference is what you do about the Lord Jesus. Are you trusting in him? So as we look at these events, future events, but they're every bit as factual, they will happen just as much as the historical events that the Bible describes did happen. These things will happen. May it be that you examine your heart. Just say it. Am I ready? Am I trusting in the Lord Jesus? Am I trusting in him and him alone? I hope and pray that you, that you are. Let's, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus did not leave us to guess what will happen in the future. But actually he set out very clearly what will happen in the future. And we realize that that comes with solemn implications because we do realize that it all, for each one of us, depends 
and what we've done about the Lord Jesus Christ. He has done the work. He has made the way. He has paid the price for each one to be saved. I pray for any here who can't yet say, yes, I'm ready. I'm looking forward to what's going to come in the future because I'm going to see him. I'm going to be with him. We pray that they will be granted repentance for the Bible does speak of this and that they might believe in the Lord Jesus and in him alone. We give thanks for the Lord Jesus and we pray in his name.